0: Hi, I'm Burke, and due to the nature of this episode, there might be depictions of graphic violence or harsh language, so listener discretion is advised. And we're back for another unexpected episode of Spooky Season. And if you listened to the last episode, I decided to split the episode in half so it wouldn't take as long for me to record, and not to mention it would be on time. Not to mention, it allows me to force myself to make another episode this spooky season because I really wanted to, to begin with, but unfortunately I have a terrible amount going on and so I'm not going to be able to produce another extra episode this month. So let's just have fun with this and let's talk about some ghosts. So last episode, I talked about some of my ghost stories. So if you want to catch those, I suggest listen to the last episode. Throughout this episode, I'm going to set up scenarios using these creatures, well, these entities, so you can get kind of ideas so you can put them in your game in however way you want, but it kind of gives you an idea of what to use with them. And I'll start with, there's a lot of these things throughout the various books, but for tonight, I'm only actually going to talk about three of them. And fun fact, they're all out of the fifth edition Monster Manual, but instead of starting at my favorite one, we're actually going to start with the base ghost, The regular ghost monster out of the monster manual is on, you can find it on page 147. I'm going to go ahead and read the blurb. A ghost is the soul of a once living creature bound to haunt a specific location, creature, or object held by a significance of its life. Unfinished business. A ghost yearns to complete some unresolved task from its life. It might seek to avenge its own death, fulfill an oath or relay a message to a loved one, a ghost might not recognize that it has died and continues to his everyday routine of its life. Others are driven by wickedness or spite, as with a ghost that refuses to rest until every member of a certain family or organization is dead. The surest way to rid a, an area of a ghost is to resolve its unfinished business. A ghost can be destroyed by more easily by invoking a weakness tied to its former life. The ghost of a person tortured to death might be killed again by the implements of its torture. The ghost of a gardener might be more vulnerable when exposed to potent floral fragrances. Ghostly Manifestations Sensations of profound sadness, loneliness, and unfilled yearning emanate from places where ghostly hauntings occur. Strange sounds or unnatural silence create an unsettling atmosphere. Cold spots settle in rooms that have roaring fires. A choking stench might seep into the area. Inanimate objects might move on their own accord. And corpses might rise from the grave. The ghost has no control over its manifestations. They simply occur. Undead nature. The ghost doesn't require food, air, drink, or sleep. Ghost. Medium undead. Any alignment. Armor Class 11. Hit points are 45 or 10d8. Speed, zero. Fly, 40 feet, hover. Strength, seven. Dex, 13 constitution 10, Int 10, wisdom 12, and charisma 17. Now, I will interrupt reading this off. I would actually base some of this off of what they were in life. Let's say you were homebrewing a wizard ghost, and depending on how powerful that wizard was, I might have the ghost be homebrewed where its stats are closer to what it was in life, not to mention it might have access to its spell list. Damage resistance, fire, acid, lightning, thunder, bludgeoning, piercing, Slashing from non-magical weapons. Sorry, non-magical attacks. Damage immunities. Cold, necrotic, poison. Condition immunities. Charmed, exhaustion, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, unrestrained. restrained. Senses. Dark vision, 60 feet. Passive Perception, 11. Languages, anything new in life. Challenge rating for 1100 experience. Ethereal Sight. The ghost can see 60 feet into the ethereal plane when it is on the material plane, and vice versa. Incorporeal Movement, the ghost can move through other creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain. It takes 5 1d10 force damage at the end of its turn if it's inside an object. Actions. Withering Touch. Melee. Weapon Attack. Plus 5 to hit. Reach five feet, one target. Hit, 17, 4d6 plus three necrotic damage. Etherealness, the ghost enters the ethereal plane from the material plane and vice versa. It's visible on the material plane while it's in the border ethereal and vice versa, yet it cannot affect or be affected by anything on the other plane. Sorry, that one's kind of weird to read. Basically, it can phase in and out of existence. And whether or not it's in the Ethereal Plane, it will be can be affected on the Ethereal Plane. And the same thing goes where if it's on the Material Plane, it can only be affected on the Material Plane. Horrifying Visage. Each non-undead creature within 60 feet of the ghost that can see it must succeed a DC 13 wisdom saving throw or be frightened for one minute. If the save fails by five or more, the target ages by 1d4 times 10 years, a frightened target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the frightened condition on itself on a success if the target saving throw is successful or the effect ends for it. If the target saving throw is successful or the effect ends for it, the target is immune to the ghostly's horrifying visage for the next 24 hours. The aging effect can be reversed with greater restoration spell, but only within 24 hours of it occurring. This actually happened to one of my players. This was a couple campaigns ago. I believe it was my second or third campaign I've ever ran. And I threw a ghost in the game. Actually, they were fighting a bunch of them. They had bought this house and it was full of ghosts. And one of my players, the Bard, actually failed his wisdom saving throw and failed it so fantastically, he aged by 30 years. And because they were out in the middle of nowhere and they were low level, he stayed 30 years older than he actually was. Sorry, back to the scary stuff. This last one is the scariest out of all of them, especially for low levels. Possession. Recharge 6. One humanoid that the ghost can see within 5 feet of it must exceed a DC 13 saving throw or be possessed by the ghost. The ghost then disappears and the target is incapacitated and loses all control of its body. The ghost now controls the body but doesn't deprive the target of its awareness. The ghost cannot be targeted by any attack, spell, or otherwise affect, except ones that turn undead, and retains its alignment, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, and immunity to being charmed and frightened. It otherwise uses the possessed target's statistics, but doesn't gain any access to any of the target's knowledge, class features, or proficiencies. The possession lasts until the body drops to zero hit points, the ghost ends it as a bonus action, or the ghost is turned or forced out by an effect like Dispel Evil and Good Spell. When the possession ends, the ghost reappears in an unoccupied space within five feet of the body. The target is immune to this ghost possession for 24 hours after succeeding on the saving throw or otherwise the possession ends. Okay, that's the base ghost. It's actually very straightforward. I think this is why this is one of my least favorite of the three ghosts we're gonna talk about, because it's more like the ghosts that we actually deal with in stories, folklore, what have you. The bright side with the base ghost is it's very straightforward. It doesn't create new ghosts from killing people. It can be used as foot soldiers for a lich that's controlling a lot of them, or you might be able to make a scenario where your players buy a house or a tavern or something and find out that it's haunted and it has a bunch of ghosts in there and you might have one that's scaled up at the end of it. Okay, let's build a scenario for this. Let's set this in London. I haven't dug up that game that is set now where magic unleashed into the world in a long time, so let's go ahead and build in that setting. Your party is finding themselves in England because you're trying to get away from all the chaos that's going on in north america the epicenter from the yellowstone national park volcano has just been unleashing chaos all over north america i mean there's still weirdness here but it feels like it's a lesser degree you find yourself walking through the streets together because it's safer in numbers and it's nighttime you've decided that you had enough booze for the night and you're looking to go back to your hotel As you walk the streets, you see pedestrians throughout, and they seem to be just going about their business. You pass an alley and you hear a scream, and you find a woman laying, clutching her stomach from an open wound, and you see a spectral figure standing above her. It makes eye contact with you and begins racing through the alley, away from you. The cleric of your group stops and tries to help the woman that was injured, while the other ones chase down the alley. However, the spectral being... Faces through the wall that's at the end of the ho- at the end of the alley. The healer is able to get a description, but they're not sure what good it'll do them, especially with it being a ghost. Something bothers the wizard of the group, and he decides he's going to go to the local library tomorrow morning. His hunch was correct. Even this attempted murder lined up with the Jack the Ripper murders, and even on the same streets. Honestly, I think that'd be a lot of fun to run if you're building like a modern day game, and so you have the ghost of Jack the Ripper. That's actually just reliving his murder and killing sprees. Okay. Now to talk about my favorite of these three that we're going to talk about. And it's the shadow. It's also statistically the weakest of the three we're going to talk about, but it's actually one of the more dangerous ones we're going to talk about. Shadow. Shadows are undead that resemble dark exaggerations of the humanoid shadows. Dark disposition. From the darkness, the shadow reaches out to feed on the living creature's vitality. They can consume any living creature, but they are especially drawn to creatures untainted by evil. A creature that lives life of goodness and piety consigns its basest impulses and its strongest temptations to the darkness. As a shadow drains the victim's strength and physical form, the victim's shadow darkens and begins to move on its own volition. In death, the creature's shadow breaks free, becoming a new undead shadow, hungry for more life to consume. If a creature from which a shadow has been created somehow returns to life, its undead shadow senses the return. The shadow might seek its parent to vex or slay. Whether the shadow pursues its living counterpart, the creature that Birth the Shadow. No longer casts one until the monster is destroyed. Undead nature. A shadow doesn't require air, food, drink, or sleep. Shadow. Medium undead. Chaotic evil. Armor class 12. Hit points 16. Movement speed 40 feet. Strength 6. Dex 14. 13 constitution. 6 intelligence. 10 wisdom. 8 charisma. It has a plus 4 in stealth. Uh, plus 16 in dim light or darkness. Damage vulnerabilities, radiant, and it has the same things as the ghost does, except it has no language. Also, it's a challenge rating half, it's worth 100 XP. Told you, this is probably the weakest one on one creature that we're going to talk about. Amorphous, the shadow can move through a space as narrow as one inch wide without squeezing. Shadow stealth, while in dim light or darkness the shadow can take a hide action as its bonus action. While in sunlight, the shadow has disadvantage on its attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws. Strength Drain. Melee weapon attack, plus 4 to hit. Reach 5 feet. 1 creature. Hit. 9, or 2d6, plus 2 necrotic damage. And the target's strength score is reduced by 1d4. The target dies if this reduces its strength to 0. Otherwise, the reduction lasts until the target finishes a short or long rest. If a non-evil humanoid dies from this attack, a new shadow rises from the corpse in 1d4 hours. Now, you might not see on the surface how scary this creature actually is. It almost doesn't fit the ghost type, and I was almost not able to use it. However, with shadow figures and things like that, I'm going to go ahead and use it. Now, what's scary about this thing is it can easily kill people in their sleep. It can easily attack just regular people and create more of these things. But it's actually really easy to see how these things can spread. Just imagine one of these things going into a hospital, a nursing home, an apartment complex. The scary thing is these things can easily hide in sewers and just come up through the pipes and come into your apartments, houses, subdivisions you name it, dorm rooms, through the water pipes, just easily coming in and taking you out at night and just creating more and more and more of these things. I'm actually surprised DMs don't use these things more often because you can really overwhelm people with these things if you play them correctly. All right, let's go ahead and set the scenario up in Forgotten Realms. Let's say your party is hearing rumors about people in the low part of the city are turning up dead in their houses, and they're mostly commoners. The nobility thinks nothing of it, until a high-level wizard turns up dead in his home. Your priority is hired to go investigate, and you don't even find footsteps, footprints, what have you. You find no evidence of any of these doors being broken into, and you're not sure how these people were killed, other than them being strangled to death. And not to mention, who's going to strangle a wizard to death? They're very dangerous and the wizard didn't die without a fight. The party goes out at night and they have their older torches lit. They're walking the streets when they see a shadow dart out of out from underneath one of the cottages, they follow it and it darts into the sewers. The party goes down into the sewers and they find tons of dead bodies that weren't accounted for. The shadows have killed everyone living in the sewers and then they realize they're about to be overrun. See, with shadows, Numbers are everything. A creature that is able to propagate by killing non evil people is very frightening. You might have a high level party if there's 10,000 of these things. Yeah, you might have high AC, but with 10,000 of these things, eventually they're going to crit. Eventually they're going to take down even your your highest AC players. Strength down to zero and kill them. Same thing with your. F- All your other ones who have low AC, oh, they'll eat their lunch. Just sheer just numbers. It's easy to overwhelm. And this creature is probably the most frightening for that, especially if they're not ready for it. If you don't have a cleric in the group that can deal with these things or a paladin, you're screwed. That's why it's my favorite. And last but not least, the Banshee. When night falls, unlucky travelers hear the faint cries of the forlorn undead. This woeful spirit is a Banshee, a spiteful creature formed from the spirit of a female elf. Banshees appear as luminous, wispy forms that vaguely recall their mortal features. A Banshee's face is weathered in a wild tangle of hair, its body clad in wispy rags that flutter and stream around it. Divine Wrath. Banshees are undead remnants of elves who, blessed with great beauty, fail to use their gift to bring joy to the world. Instead, they use their beauty to corrupt and control others. Elves affected by the Banshee's curse experience no gladness, feeling only distress in the presence of the living. As the curse takes its toll, their minds and their bodies decay, until death completes their transformation into undead monsters. Sorrow-bound. A Banshee becomes forever bound to the place of its demise. Unable to venture more than five miles from it. It is forced to relive every moment of its life with perfect recall, yet always refuses to accept responsibility for its doom. Beauty orders. The vanity that inspired the Banshee's cursed creation persists in undeath. These creatures covet beautiful objects fine jewelry, paintings, statues, and other objects of art. At the same time, a Banshee abhors any mirrored surfaces for it cannot bear to see the horror of its existence. A glimpse of itself is enough to send a Banshee into a rage. Undead nature. A Banshee doesn't require air, food, drink, or sleep, just like the other ones. Before I get into its stats, a Banshee might actually make a great end boss for... Let's say this haunted tower that is full of ghosts and maybe has a banshee at the end of it. Maybe the reason why the ghosts are haunting the place is because the banshee killed them. Banshee, medium undead, chaotic evil, armor class 12, hit points 58, which is actually really high for its level. 13d8, speed 0, fly feet 40, hover, strength 1, dex 14, constitution 10, intelligence 12. Wisdom, 11. Charisma, 17. Saving throw. Wisdom plus 2. Charisma plus 5. It has the same as the ghosts and the shadow before it. It has 60 feet dark vision and a passive perception of 10. Languages, common and Elfish, And it's a challenge rating 4 worth 1100 experience. Detect life. The Banshee can magically sense the presence of the living creatures up to 5 miles away. She knows the general direction they are in, but not their exact location. Incorporeal movement. The Banshee can move through other creatures and obstacles as if they were difficult terrain. She takes 5 or 1d10 force damage if she ends the turn inside of an object. Corrupting touch. Melee spell attack. Plus 4 to hit. 5 feet. Reach on one target. Hit. 12 or 3d6 plus 2 necrotic damage horrifying visage it's the same as the other ones except for it's a dc 13 wisdom saving throw and her last ability is whale once per day the banshee releases the mournful whale provided that she isn't in sunlight this whale has no effect on constructs and undead all other creatures within 30 feet of her that can hear her Must make a DC 13 constitution saving throw. On failure, the creature drops to zero hit points. On its success, the creature takes 10 or 3d6 psychic damage. Now, a 13 constitution saving throw might not sound all that scary. But for a level 2 or 3 party that's fighting this thing, as well as other things, it probably is very scary. I briefly talked about this thing killing everything in a tower. Now, imagine you've done this to a small elven settlement that's out in the middle of nowhere. And this is their countess that has gone crazy with her vanity. Next thing you know, she's transformed into a banshee and she's killed every elf in this village. Now a portion of these villagers should turn into ghosts because they should have unresolved issues with their countess or their mayor or whatever you want to call her killing them all because she lost her mind and turned into a monster. Well, that was a lot of fun, and I'm glad I pushed this episode back because this one's quite a bit longer than I expected it was going to be. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was nice to sit down here and talk about ghosts and ghosts type entities that honestly aren't that hard to put in your game. It's just approaching them a different way that makes them a lot of fun to put in your game. I'll keep the outro stuff short tonight. The next episode of the Tellur campaign is going to be on November 5th. Which should be pretty interesting considering Raymond's coming back from the dead. And I'm not sure which location I'm actually going to be recording it from. But anyways, thank you for making it to the end of the episode. And I'll catch you on the next one.